Chapter 15 of A Christmas Honeymoon by Francis Amar Matthews. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Two Days Before Christmas. Little Peter was awake very early the next morning. For the first time in his whole seven years, he had something on his mind, as older folks phrase it, something weighing where not even a feather had ever weighed before. His promise to his grandmother to tell her what the something between Bridget and himself was when she should be home from her dinner at the Ogdens. Betty recollected Pierre's promise very well, but it was no part of her simple scheme of education to remind her boy of that which he should not forget, a promise. She was pulling on her cuffs preparatory to going shopping. Stradivarius was playing with her muff-cord, little peter was putting on her overshoes he was also puzzling out his own tangled skeins finally with a great last pull at the second overshoe he said grandmamma yes dear that between brigitte and me i cannot tell you to-day very well dear in betty's mind it was undoubtedly a christmas gift which miss supple had led the path to buying be sure not to go off the block with your sled after you come from Signor Prati's. I will, Grandmamma. Kiss me, darling. Betty kissed him. She was down the stairs. Little Peter lingered at the landing, and then he dashed impetuously after her. Grandmamma? Yes? I made the visit to the stranger. Pierre? Betty stood still, letting go of the doorknob. Madame Grandmamere? It was wicked, but so very pleasant. Oh, yes, I did it. But, Pierre, dear, you promised. She sat down on the hall chair and drew him to her. He nodded. I did, but I did not know how pleasant, how easy it was. It is generally easy to be naughty, dear. What now shall Grandmamma do with the little boy she cannot trust? But you can trust it was not the real visit the little boy halted not the visit prepared i did not know it was as when old bull jumps out of a dark corner you don't know it until he does the jumps betty's heart also jumped where had the child been lured to pierre what stranger's house have you been in tell me her tone was as severe as she knew of grandmamma it is now that i know the name of him he told me he is exactly a gentleman i am sure well what is his name peter van zandt the same as grandpapa for which we pray betty sat still very still and the rose flood died from her cheeks and her fingers trembled as she tried to be nonchalant and button her gloves now it is that i have made the visit as old bull jumps you will not be angry or sorry with me, Grandmamma? She drew the little boy closer. No, dear, you have told me, and that makes things right, and— But, Grandmamma, I have not told you all, he interrupted loyally. That I cannot. She scented the Christmas present and Miss Supple's injunctions, doubtless not to reveal, so she laughed and answered, No matter, by and by— Perhaps at Christmas, eh, you will tell me all? Exactly. Yes, Grandmamma, at Christmas. He pushed up her glove and pressed his lips to her wrist. 
Goodbye, goodbye. The roans and the coupe were at the curb, but Mrs. Van Zant, with a smile, shook her head to the coachman and walked over to Broadway. Then a rush for cap and coat, mittens, sled, and violin case, Bridget and Shadow both helping him, and off around the corner to see the stranger and to go to his lesson. The butler and Miss Supple saw them meet from the window on the area. Maybe come Christmas, Shad, the master and mistress, you know? The faithful woman jerked her hand toward Mr. Van Zant and the little boy. Maybe come Christmas, remarked Mr. Shaddle in a wise but restrained tone. Other things'll come round too, Biddy. When Van Zant and the little boy met that morning, they plotted their secret without difficulty. Van Zant had seen Ned Davies. He already knew that Annie de Paster had at last given in, and that after nearly thirty years of serving, the tireless Ned was to be rewarded, that on Christmas Eve, at eight o'clock in the rectory of St. Michael's Bloomingdale, Ned and Annie were to be married. Ned had confided to him in a curious matter-of-fact curt fashion that no one was to be present except Annie's lifelong best friend, Betty, and Annie's brother, Nicholas. So Peter knew that Betty would be away from the double house on Christmas Eve, up to a reasonably late hour at least. He did not, of course, know what the little boy had to tell him further, and this was that he was to go, after all, to the Ogden's party, having overcome his scruples as to Mr. Lawrence, and that Shadow was to fetch him home at half-past nine. All this suited Mr. Van Zant perfectly. He said so to the little boy. Yes, monsieur, the child leaned thoughtfully against the railing. Monsieur Van Zant? With sudden determination, conscience and duty worked strangely in this little lad's composition. Yes, sir. It is that I told Grandmamma a little. You did, sir. What did you tell her? Oh, monsieur, not the secret we make, no. But the name of you, that was all. I see. And madame your grandmamma said, What did she say, monsieur le marquis? I don't recollect, monsieur. I forget, but she did not complain. Nor forbid you to talk to me any more? No, monsieur. That is good. Now you get on the sled, and I will pull you as far as Signor Prati's. Oh, monsieur, would you? Oh! The little boy was soon ensconced on the sled, clasping the violin case, and Van Zant was pulling him rapidly along through the snow. Monsieur, Peter exclaimed after a silence as they were crossing Bleecker Street, are you sure about finding the happiness for Grandmamma? The man stopped short and answered, yes, I am sure. The little boy sighed with contentment and confidence. Peter, Yes, monsieur. When you come home from the party tomorrow evening, I think that happiness will very soon after come home also, and I will be waiting for you, sir, when you arrive. Where, monsieur, will you be? Very near to happiness, sir, and very near to that Christmas tree. Here, we are at number twelve. End of chapter fifteen.